the prime obligation of every human being is to speak out against injustice. We are our brother's keeper. You're listening to The Keeper, brought to you by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. I'm Katrina Lantos-Sweat. It's been five years since the Lantos Foundation first introduced our annual religious freedom initiative, the Solidarity Sabbath. This initiative usually offers a chance to stand shoulder to shoulder with a persecuted or oppressed religious community. In the past, we've highlighted the plight of the Uyghurs and advocated for religious prisoners of conscience. But this year, like so many other things, our Solidarity Sabbath plans fell victim to the COVID-19 outbreak. In a time of social distancing, we're returning to the roots of the Solidarity Sabbath, and we're standing virtually with the Jewish community all over the world as we bring you a new season of The Keeper focused exclusively on anti-Semitism. This season, The Keeper will feature interviews that offer different perspectives on anti-Semitism. From the United States' top diplomat tasked with combating anti-Semitism to Holocaust survivors who have lived through the most horrific episode of anti-Semitism in history. But before we get to all that, we want to first give you some background and context. We want to take a deeper look at anti-Semitism and how this particular form of hate and discrimination came to be and why it has endured for so long, sadly, with no end in sight. I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Chelsea Hedquist, to explain. In May 2016, the United States and 30 other countries adopted a working definition of anti-Semitism. The definition begins like this. Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. This broad definition gets its concrete substance from a list of powerful examples, including calling for, aiding, or justifying the killing of Jews in the name of a radical ideology or an extremist view of religion, making dehumanizing, demonizing allegations about Jews, denying the Holocaust, denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination, and others. This is not a theoretical list. These examples of anti-Semitism are on vivid display across the globe. We're in a terrifying moment. Anti-Semitism is coming at Jews around the world, from the left and from the right, from the government and from the ground up. Jews are just being bombarded. If we don't draw a red line in the sand when it comes to anti-Semitism, Muslims will be next, gays will be next, and everyone else who's deemed a minority will be next. I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. What you just heard are lines from the official trailer of Viral, Anti-Semitism in Four Mutations, a documentary released in 2020. This wasn't the only major television program this year to tackle the subject of anti-Semitism. HBO's miniseries, The Plot Against America, premiered in March, based on the novel by Philip Roth. It imagines an alternate history of the United States where an anti-Semitic candidate becomes president. It's a fascist 
The fascists don't like Jews. Why? Because we're Jews. What's our luggage doing here? There are no vacancies. Take your bags and your family and leave. But no matter how current or contemporary anti-Semitism feels, one thing is certain. It is not new. Anti-Semitism is often referred to as an ancient hatred, or even as the oldest hatred. But just how far back does it really go? I put this question to David Nirenberg, Dean of the Divinity School at the University of Chicago, who has written extensively about what he calls anti-Judaism. I could have put that way back, uh, even in the Hebrew Bible. And way back in the Hebrew Bible, God's dealings with the ancient Israelites, his chosen people, often include rebuking them for their failings. But as Nirenberg explains it, Christianity and later Islam twisted the divine reprimands of the Hebrew Bible into a pattern of blaming the Jews when things went wrong. And in telling that story, it hands to the future a very powerful idea that is that the best way to explain when things go wrong, why things go wrong, is to tell stories about things the Jews are doing wrong. In a cruel irony, the same Hebrew Bible in which God refers to the Israelites as the, quote, apple of his eye, becomes the pretext for millennia of hatred and persecution. And Nirenberg points out that, irrationally, the idea that the Jews are to blame doesn't even require any actual Jews in order to take hold. Anti-Judaism is a system of thought, and it doesn't depend on any real Jews, and it comes from the habits of thought, the large conceptual systems, philosophies, religions that we've learned. This, says Nirenberg, can help us understand how countries that have never even had a Jewish population still use the Jews as scapegoats. And, of course, the greatest danger is when these anti-Jewish systems of thought converge with the presence of a thriving Jewish community. This leads to the disaster of violent anti-Semitism that in 20th century Europe eventually gave way to the Holocaust, the worst example of hatred of Jews in history. But this atrocity, though the most extreme example, is far from the only moment in history where political or economic turmoil or times of crisis have given rise to virulent anti-Semitism. When has there been a really critical moment that hasn't brought anti-Judaism to the forefront? We're living through a pandemic right now, so it's easy to remind us all of what happened during the arrival of the Black Death, the, the bubonic plague to Europe in the Middle Ages, when lots of European societies decided that this was caused by the Jews. That conclusion led to massacres of Jewish communities from Germany to Spain in the mid-14th century. More than 500 years later, following the Russian Revolution, Jewish communities became scapegoats once again, and approximately 60,000 Jews were murdered in bloody pogroms. Today, if you think about the different kinds of crises that are being explained in terms of anti-Judaism, anti-Semitism, they really vary. I've been very struck by the way in which the whole issue of globalization and colonialism 
is understood in terms of anti-Judaism, both on the left and on the right. You talk about politics, and one of the interesting things about anti-Semitism is that it appeals equally to many different parts of the political spectrum. Nirenberg says that when you see that resonance across the different registers of the political spectrum, then you have to ask, are we entering a moment when anti-Semitism can acquire real political power? I talk to my friends on the left and they say, no, no, this is only a problem on the right. And I talk to my friends on the right and they say, no, no, this is only a problem on the left. And both sides weaponize anti-Semitism in their political campaigns against the other. What they're doing when they do that is simply amplifying the power that the discourse of anti-Semitism has in our own political system. They're feeding that danger. That danger, the irrational hatred of Jews, dates back millennia. It's been so enduring across time, geography, religion, culture, politics, even in places where no actual Jews live. It has become a perverse societal infrastructure, a system of thought that has led to discrimination, violence, and even genocide. So given all this, what can we do in the face of such an entrenched and irrational hatred? These habits of thought in terms of anti-Judaism are really deep in many aspects of our cultures. So I guess, or I mean as a teacher, my commitment is that the way we change them is by teaching about them. But I recognize that many centuries of experience suggest that that's not very easy to do. It may not be easy to do, but we must never believe that it's impossible. That was Chelsea Hedquist speaking with David Nirenberg about the origins and history of anti-Semitism. In the coming episodes, we'll talk to some of the individuals working on the front lines of the fight against anti-Semitism. What concerns me is the internet. These are the highways of hate, of all sorts. Murderous hate of all kinds. And we'll hear first-hand accounts of what anti-Semitism looks, sounds, and feels like. Not once and not twice, we were fell upon and being beaten up by other kids from other schools who could tell who we are because of the emblems in our heads. I hope you'll join us for the rest of the episodes from our special Solidarity Sabbath podcast season. We have a lot more coming up, and you won't want to miss it. So make sure to subscribe to The Keeper on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Katrina Lantosweat, and thank you for listening to The Keeper. This episode of The Keeper was produced and recorded by the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice. To support our work and for more information on today's topic, visit us at www.lantosfoundation.org.